going to spring something on Ryan here and have him read a section for us. I think I'll have you come up here, Ryan, so that people can hear. Uh, we're going to read John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. John 10, 1 through 18. Start in verse 1 here. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads out and leads them out. When he puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep know him, because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Amen. Well, this is certainly a wonderful portion of Scripture. So we're looking at, this morning, the Good Shepherd and his sheep. The writer of Hebrews calls Jesus the Great Shepherd of the sheep. Peter calls him the Chief Shepherd. But the adjective that Jesus uses for himself is not great or chief, but good. I am the Good Shepherd. So what I'd like to do this morning is just for us to consider some of the characteristics of Christ as the Good Shepherd. Twice in this section, you might have noticed this as Ryan was reading, in verse 11 and verse 14, he says this, I am the Good Shepherd. Now this means more than just that he was a morally upright shepherd. He certainly was that. But it means that he does what is best for the sheep. 
He takes care of them in the way they should be taken care of. He's the good shepherd. Notice he does not say, I am a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. He's not just one among many. He's the one truly, altogether good shepherd. I think that a Jewish person familiar with the Old Testament would recognize that this statement was a fulfillment of prophecy because there are passages in the Old Testament promising that God would send a preeminent, perfect shepherd for his people. And I want to look at one of those with you right now, Ezekiel chapter 34, so let's turn back. Ezekiel 34, and we will begin with verse 11. Actually, prior to this verse, there's an extended portion that we'll look at a little bit later related to bad shepherds, shepherds that were not doing right by the sheep. And in that context, God says, I'm going to send you a good shepherd. So, Ezekiel 34, verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search out my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among the scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places from which they have been scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. They will lie down in good grazing ground. Notice how he emphasizes that good part, the good pasture, the good grazing ground. And they will feed in a rich pasture in the mountains of Israel. And I will feed my flock, I will feed my flock, and will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. And if you'd skip down to verse 23. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. There's going to be one shepherd, one preeminent shepherd, you see, that's going to lead and feed his people. So the point that I want to make from this passage, and there's other ones like this also, that there was a promised shepherd that would lead and feed God's people. So with this in mind, let's turn back then to John chapter 10 and look at some of the characteristics of this one and only, truly, good shepherd. The first characteristic that I point out will actually seem somewhat strange to us today because we're told that the good shepherd is the door for the sheep. The door. Now, this takes a little understanding of what the uh, shepherd would do back in the days of Jesus. When the sheep needed to be taken care of in the wilderness at night, there was a sheepfold 
where the shepherd would lay down in the opening of this sheepfold to guard the sheep. In other words, they had a, usually it was made out of stones that they'd piled up for a fence. Uh, sometimes they put uh, thorn bushes on the top of the stones to keep anything from crawling over. But the opening didn't have a regular door. The shepherd would lay in the doorway. And that way, if anybody, if anyone or anything, uh, any person was trying to get in there, they'd have to walk through the shepherd. I mean, he was the door. So this is the imagery that Jesus is using here. Laying down there in the opening, guarding the way. In other words, the shepherd was the door or the gate. To get into the sheepfold, you had to come by way of him. Now, catch this. To get into the sheepfold, you had to come by way of him. He was the only way into the sheepfold, unless someone tried to climb up some other way, or over the walls, you see. But the way, the one way to get into the sheepfold, the right way, was through the door. So to begin with, we can say that Jesus is the good shepherd because he is the only way into the flock of God. You must enter through him to be safe. In fact, Jesus said it this way in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So he's the door. Another mark of the good shepherd is that he calls his sheep. Verse 3 tells us, he calls his own sheep by name. His sheep hear his voice. He knows them, and they know him. Verse 5 tells us, A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Shepherds back in the days of, of uh, Christ often had names for their sheep, the sheep the way we name our dogs and cats today, where they had name, names for their sheep. Sometimes several flocks would be penned in one fold for safety at night, and so when the shepherd would come in the morning, he'd call forth his own sheep by name. The ones that were his would come out because they knew his voice, and he knew them. He knew their names. The point is that Jesus takes a living, personal, particular interest in each of his sheep, and they do the same with him. I think an example of this is when Simon made that confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You remember what Jesus said? He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You've heard the voice. You've heard the shepherd's voice, you see. But my Father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter. I know who you, you know who I am. I know who you are. You're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, Simon, you've heard the shepherd's voice and have come to know me, and I know you, Peter. I know you. So that's a mark of the good shepherd. He not only calls his sheep, he leads his sheep.
He leads them. He doesn't push them. He doesn't drive them. He leads them. He goes before them. He leads them where he wants them to go. He's the perfect example of what he wants us to be. He lays no burdens on us. He does not first bear himself. And he leads to good pastures. It may be through the valley of the shadow of death, but the destination is good pastures. Of course, I'm referring to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. See the imagery there. He, he leads. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He guides me in paths of righteousness. So he calls us by name. He leads us, and he leads us to good pastures. He calls his sheep. He leads his sheep, and he feeds his sheep. We're talking about the characteristics of this one great good shepherd. He feeds the sheep. He prepares a table before them even in the presence of their enemies. Think of that. You can have a feast in the presence of your enemies because God's prepared it for you. The good shepherd will. Even though there are thieves and robbers and wolves and wolves in sheep's clothing and strangers, all these things talked about here, nevertheless the good shepherd will get his sheep adequate nourishment nourishment all kinds of obstacles but they're not going to stop the good shepherd from feeding his sheep they can go in and out and find pasture because the good shepherd wants to feed his sheep with good things he makes it so you can thrive in the midst of dangers as the psalmist again says Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Which then brings us to another characteristic of the good shepherd. And this is surely one of the things that should come to mind right off. He protects the sheep. That was implied when we said that he was the door For an enemy to try to get to the sheep, they had to go past the door, so he's protecting the sheep. There are thieves that want to steal and kill and destroy, but the good shepherd will not let that happen. There are wolves that want to devour the sheep, but the good shepherd's right there to protect them. Now, I hope you're all applying these things to your lives as we talk about them, because we're surrounded, each one of us, are surrounded by thieves. We're surrounded by wolves. And there's even situations where we have to deal with wolves in sheep's clothing. But we have a good shepherd. He's there to protect us. Bad shepherds, hirelings, do not protect the sheep. As the Old, Pro- Old Testament prophet Ezekiel says to the leaders of Israel, 
Son of Man, prophesy against the sheep, uh, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of themselves. That was a mark of the shepherds, the, the bad shepherds. They only take care of them, themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? They were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they were scattered, and when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. That's back in Ezekiel 34, talking about these bad shepherds. They only were taking care of themselves. They did not protect the sheep. When danger came, they left. And consequently, the sheep were scattered and became food for the wild animals. Not the case with the good shepherd. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. I give eternal life to them, and they shall never, never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. The good shepherd defends the defenseless sheep from danger. Now, I've read some about sheep, and I've talked to some people. Some people have talked to me about sheep. So I have this upon the authority of people who take care of sheep. They're dumb. <laughs> not only are they dumb, they're defenseless. Uh, they're just not made to fend for themselves. So they're dumb and defenseless, therefore they're dependent. They need a shepherd. They need direction and protection. And the good shepherd goes so far in protecting the sheep that he dies for them. Just the opposite of the hireling, just the opposite of the bad shepherd. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see it again in verse 15. I lay down my life for the sheep. See, the hireling flees. The good shepherd fights. The hireling flees when trouble comes. The good shepherd fights for the sheep and dies for the sheep. This is surely the main characteristic of Christ as the good shepherd. He dies for the sheep. He dies willingly for the sheep. Verse 17 says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I have received from my Father. The good shepherd lays down, willingly lays down his life for the sheep. No one takes his life from him. He freely sacrifices himself. Takes, he takes the position of the sheep. He becomes the lamb of God. Why was it necessary for the good shepherd to lay down his life for the sheep? Because all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. 
Each one has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So again, he willingly takes our sins upon himself. That's, of course, that's from Isaiah 53. Maybe I should just read real quickly here. Isaiah 53, where he says this. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourgings we are healed. He willingly took our place. So the good shepherd, I think the main characteristic of Christ as the good shepherd is surely this, that he willingly lays down his life for the sheep. So you have this great messianic prophecy there in Isaiah 53, but there's another messianic prophecy that uh, I want to look at in Isaiah. Why don't we turn to Isaiah chapter 40. looking at aspects of Christ as the good shepherd. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock, and in his arm he will gather the lambs, and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Another characteristic then of Christ as the good shepherd is that he's a gentle, tender shepherd. He carries them close to his heart. He tends the flock. He gently leads those that are with young. He knows our frame, our individual condition, our weaknesses, our frailties, each one of us here this morning. And he's a gentle, thoughtful shepherd to each of his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. That's what a child of God says. The Lord is my shepherd. He's mindful of me. He knows my needs. He knows my frame. I like the way Charles Spurgeon put it. He said, Who is he who cares so tenderly for the lambs? It is he who measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. It is he who calculated the dust of earth by measure. It is he who weighs the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. It is the same God who does all these mighty things, who carries the lambs in his bosom. But why? Why does he carry the lambs in his bosom? Because he has a tender heart and, and is touched by our weaknesses. 
any of our weaknesses touches him. He hears your sighs, your marks of ignorance, and your feebleness. His tender heart reaches out to you. He himself was a lamb once. And someone who has been a lamb knows the lamb's weaknesses, knows how to sympathize with it. How precious is the thought of how he carries them, not on his back, but in his bosom. Here is boundless affection. Here is tender nearness. Here is perfect safety. Here is sweet comfort. How the warmth of the shepherd's heart cheers the lamb. Rejoice, you lambs. You have such a shepherd to carry you close to his heart. So he's a tender shepherd. He's also a a seeking shepherd. A seeking shepherd. He goes after the sheep which go astray. Let's turn to Luke 15. This is a parable. But it teaches something of Christ the Good Shepherd. Verse 4. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the open pasture and go after the one who is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So, there are times when sheep, through foolishness or fear or for some other reason, get themselves into bad situations. Do they get themselves out of it? No, they can't. In those times, they're very thankful for a seeking shepherd one who finds the lost sheep and puts it on his shoulders. We're told in Psalm 23 again, he restores my soul. What's that mean? That means that your soul wasn't in very good shape. You needed to be restored. He restores my soul. So he's a seeking, restoring shepherd. He seeks his sheep in order to restore them. And we're told he's not willing to lose one of them. Isn't that a comfort? If you're a sheep, he's, he's not going to lose you. You might, want, might wander, but he's going to bring you back. John eighteen nine. I lose not one. That's a promise. That's a statement. That's an exclamation. I lose not one. On top of that, he's a rejoicing shepherd. When he, found, when he finds that sheep, he lays it on his shoulders and says, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me. That's the shepherd speaking. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. You know, as Christians, we rejoice in Christ Jesus, but we need to remember, he rejoices in us. 
Zephaniah 3.17, I will, will exalt over you with joy. That's the shepherd. So he's a rejoicing shepherd. Lastly, Jesus is a compassionate shepherd. Of course, his compassion is shown in the fact that he lays down his life for the sheep. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. That certainly shows his compassion. But I want to bring out some other aspects here. We're told in Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, that for the saints in heaven, the Lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd and shall guide them to springs of the water of life. The Lamb who laid down his life is the shepherd who leads the sheep to life. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eye. As a compassionate shepherd, Christ guides his people to the waters of life and makes sure every tear is wiped from their eyes. He's a compassionate shepherd. Jesus often displayed this shepherd's compassionate heart toward people when he was here on earth. Mark 6.34 says this, And when he went ashore... He saw a great multitude, and he felt compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So here were people who were sheep without a shepherd. And what's he do? He begins to shepherd them. He began to teach them many things. Now, I don't think that uh, this is just the idea that there were no shepherds. There were shepherds in Israel, but they were bad shepherds. The leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, were leading them astray. So in that sense, they were, they were people without a shepherd, people who were being misled by false shepherds. So Jesus begins to shepherd them, teaching them many things. And apparently... He spoke to them for a long time because we're told that it became late. And since it was a desolate place, the good shepherd provided physical food for them also. So he's giving them spiritual food and physical food. He was a compassionate shepherd. This is exactly what the prophecy of Ezekiel said the good shepherd would do. So let's turn back to Ezekiel one more time. Chapter 34. We're just going to read around here a little bit. Ezekiel 34. Verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel! who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? If you skip down to verse 5. And they were scattered, that is the flock. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. And then in verse 11. 
We've read this before. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. And then skip over to verse 14. I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing ground will be in the mountain heights of Israel, and they will lie down in good grazing ground, and they will feed on rich, on the rich pasture in the mountains of, of Israel. I will feed my flock and will lead them to rest. See, this is such a picture of Christ. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. And then verse 23 and 24. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them, and he will feed them himself, and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So what we can glean from this, I think, is that Jesus is the new greater David who lovingly shepherds those in need. This is what he was doing there when he saw those people with sheep as sheep without a shepherd. He will lovingly shepherd those in need. As he looked out on those people as sheep without a shepherd, his shepherd's heart of compassion responded by teaching them and feeding them. And the account goes on to tell us there, they all ate and were satisfied. If the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. You can eat and be satisfied. So he is the one perfectly good shepherd, the one that was prophesied in the Old Testament is seen there in the New Testament. Let me just run through this real quickly. This one perfectly good shepherd, he's the door, the entrance to the fold. He calls his sheep by name and knows them intimately. He leads his sheep and he feeds his sheep. He protects the sheep and willingly lays, lays down his life for the sheep, taking their punishment upon himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the gentle shepherd, the seeking shepherd, the restoring shepherd, the rejoicing shepherd, and the compassionate shepherd. Surely, it's folly. It's folly and sin not to follow such a good shepherd. I would say here this morning, if he's not your shepherd, you really don't know how miserable you are and how miserable you will be. If he is your shepherd, you don't know how blessed you are and how blessed you will be for having such a good shepherd. So have you heard his voice? Are you following him today? One of the marks, I think, of one who's following him is that they'll have that compassionate heart that the shepherd had, the good shepherd had. We'll see multitudes around us like sheep without a shepherd, and we'll be moved with compassion. 
Now, that's different than the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the strangers and the wolves in sheep's clothing. But we're talking about there's a lot of people out there that are just wandering around like sheep without a shepherd. And if we're following the good shepherd, we'll be moved when we see people like that. Well, those are some thoughts then on this subject of Christ, the good shepherd. <laughs>